0: Well, today we are in for an amazing treat, uh, and we have a guest this morning that's going to bring the word for us, Uh, and I I know that uh, some of you have seen this on social media, but if you have not, um, the Father's house continues to expand, and God is doing some amazing things through our church, and coming January of 2020, uh, there will be TFH Oakland coming to the Bay Area, and... I am so excited about uh, not just this launch, but the people that are launching this church. Um, I've known Pastor Jules for about 15 years now, and uh, we served in youth ministry together back in Vacaville at the Father's House. Uh, he served out at uh, Shiloh, Oakland. You can tell you a little more about his own story when he gets up here. Um, but just an amazing man of God, one of the most faithful and faith-filled people I've ever met, and because God loves him, he gave him a beautiful wife that helped him make some great-looking babies, because um, by himself he could never have pulled that off. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just an incredible family, they've got an amazing team, and I know God has huge things coming for Oakland. Uh, I'm just so excited to see as that thing launches, thousands of people coming to Jesus all across the Bay Area. So would you do me a favor, would you stand to your feet, and will you welcome Pastor Jules as he comes to bring the word here to San Francisco. Hey!
1: Oh, come on, you could do better than that for your pastors, Pastors Tim and Robin good-looking, a little Cinnamon Toast Crunch Brown right now, but they're brilliant people. Make, your no- make some noise for your pastors. They're incredible. We love them. They've been awesome. And uh, I'm going to have my wife keep standing just because she's just bad, like a smooth criminal. This is my lovely wife, Lonnie. She's a lot smarter than I am a lot more spiritual than I am, and pretty much make sure that I don't kill myself by running around with scissors in my hands. So we appreciate her ministry in all of our lives, amen. So yeah, we are really excited. This has been a long time coming for us uh, to plant in Oakland. Uh, Like Pastor Tim said, uh, we served as pastors in Shiloh and Oakland. We are Oakland natives born. I was born on 60th in seminary, and uh, my wife, uh, she's a criminal, so she'll she'll shank you if she needs to. I'm just joking, no, she won't. She'll pray for you. She'll lay hands on you in the spirit. Um, No, but we're from Oakland, and so it's been cool because I'm a little bit of a hybrid, so you can tell by my vernacular that I was raised by a ravaged pack of white people, so it's been good. (laughs) So we'll have a good time. So we can go a little hood on you, and then also keep it a little... Sure, if you know what I mean. Uh, So yeah, so uh, we got to work with Tim and Robin, or I did for a number of years for over a decade. Man, we were doing youth ministry and caused probably more problems than benefit. But I do see some of the young people that were in the youth ministry. Taylor, a couple of you guys that are running around. So Carlos Torres, where's Carlos at? Just look at this guy. He was one of our middle school guys. Praise God for you. Look at him. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. (laughs) Well, I don't want to belabor this, but I am really juiced. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. And I wanted to do something just before we got into the word. I just wanted to pray over uh, Pastor Simon Robin. And even as we were in the middle of worship, I felt an impression from God that, man, there's things that are inside of you, and you guys are at an intersection. Uh, and specifically for you, Tim, I really felt like, man, there's things in your heart. I don't know if it's two books or two things that you've been writing, uh, and it's almost like one or the other. But I really felt like the Lord says, you're going to be a place of intersection where commerce and the kingdom are truly going to come together. And there's a manuscript that's in both of you guys that really will go throughout the earth that will help church planners and those that have struggled with their identity and what they're supposed to do, that God's going to use you guys. And so right now in this season, God, we just pray a blessing over their family. Uh, we pray a blessing over Open doors like they've never seen before. I pray right now, Lord, even for government officials to take ear and lend their eyes and attention to what you've given for them for this city. You have a great vision in their hearts and we speak destiny and fulfillment in the name of Jesus over this church and all that you're gonna do in Jesus' name and all of TFHSF said, amen. Amen. Well, if you guys got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter six. Uh, If you're taking notes, I kind of got two sermon titles for you guys. The first one is Petals. And the, le- the second one is don't fake the faith. How many you guys heard that saying, don't fake the funk? Uh, if you haven't been around people that say, don't fake the funk, bro, pretty much what that means is don't pretend like you know more than what you know, or, uh, you know, you don't have to be in the club, you know, doing your thing or whatever, but don't fake the faith, be who you are, be authentic, be genuine. And I honestly felt like this, I know you guys have come to a conclusion on your root series, but I felt like this was just a, a little uh, addition, a little amendment to what all that has happened to the root series, so that's why we're going to talk about some petals and flowers and and roots and all kinds of stuff, or getting all botanists all up on y'all. So it's going to be very fun. So Matthew chapter six, this is probably one of my favorite portions of scripture um, to just share with you guys about. And so a little context, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and he begins to tell them about what it means to serve God in a very authentic way. What he's beginning to tell them, he says, hey, man, all of the things that you do that are spiritual, make sure they're done with the correct motivation in the heart. That if you pray, if you fast, if you give, that it's all done unto God, not just to please man. And he says, not only what your activity, I'm concerned about your activity, but the intention in which you do your activity is equally, if not more, important. How many guys know that it's so good that God doesn't just look at what you do on the outside, but he also judges what's going on internally in your heart? How many guys know you've made some bad decisions with good motives and got you in the wrong place? Don't look at your husband or your wife right now. That's not the time to do that. (laughs) But God looks at the heart and Jesus says to follow me, I'm looking for a greater level of authenticity. I don't want you to get caught up in religion. I don't want you to just do this and going through the motions, but I want your heart to be genuinely connected to God because this is what it truly means to follow after Jesus. And Jesus continues to go on in Matthew chapter 6 as he begins to hang out with his disciples and he begins to tell them about making sure their priorities line up with the kingdom of God, that they don't fake their faith. That they remain genuine in one aspect of scripture where Jesus says, he says, when you pray, don't worry about being religious or spiritual or having all the right words. But what he says is go into your room, close the door, pray for your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask. So what we understand that about following Jesus, it all converges, it all culminates in a level of intimacy in the secret place when nobody else is watching. I love my wife, but I love her a little bit more in the secret place. Okay. Hey, that's a whole nother series right there. It's all right. Just kick that right there. 625. This is going to be our portion of scripture. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before man. 625. Let's read and we'll jump into this. Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her lifespan? And why worry? I'm sorry, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Do not be so in enamored and enthralled with all of the things that are going on in life about what we shall eat, what we shall drink, or what shall we wear. For those who do not believe God, those who do not seek God, follow after all these things. Yet your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But the kicker, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day of its own trouble. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, where anxiety and worry and fear have intimidated your people from stepping out and serving you to the fullest capacity, that a shift would take place in our souls, that our emotions and all of the things that have been counterintuitive, Lord, that have tried to stop us and hold us from truly following you, Jesus, Lord, today let me be an extension cord from heaven to earth, Lord, that your word would come alive and active in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. How many guys like receiving flowers? Is there anybody in the room that you like getting flowers? Raise your hand. Look at all the ladies. My sister right here, she's like, Oh, yeah, I like flowers. I like me some flowers. Shoot. And I knew that. I kind of grew up understanding that, you know, if you want to get to a lady's heart, just throw some dandelions at her. And she was like, all right. You was kind of ugly yesterday, but today I may give you a shot. You know what I'm saying? So in middle school, I kind of knew that that was the protocol. So I remember one middle school morning, there was this girl that I had a little fancy for. This is before I met my wife. You know, right now we had to talk about her past, get free of all of that stuff. And so no more soul ties. So she's good. See, we're good. We're good. But I remember one morning, there was a young lady that I fancied, and I said, you know what, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something special. I'm going to, I'm just going to put it out there, sow a little seed, and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? And so I took my, well, I should not say sow seed, so that can have a whole <laughs> different connotation. Sorry. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry.
1: I'm not trying to do that. No sow and seed. No. So I asked my brother who was giving me a ride to school. I said, Hey man, just stop me off at that fancy gas station. Let me see what I could come up on. (laughs) So we stopped by the local 76 and I go in there and I am overwhelmed by all of the luxury treats that are available to be purchased for this young lady. And I am, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed too many candy bars, a lot of high fructose corn syrup items that are in this place. And, and so I go to the concierge of candies and I said, Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get at this girl. What do you got in here? And he says, behold, these, these plastic flowers we have on display. For <laughs> so sure enough, $5.99, that was a lot of money for a middle schooler. I grab these plastic flowers, and I go into school that day. And I find her, and she's with her friends, and I'm like, I'm about to get this. So I take the, you know, the plastic flowers out of my backpack, I stroll up, <laughs> tap her on her shoulders, and I say, hey, just like these flowers, my love is for you. It's never going to fade. It's never going to wither. We broke up the next week. You know what I'm saying? It was over with. For all you cats, I was like, oh, that's dope. I'm doing No, do not do that. That, that is not the way that you want to do. You want to get at her like that, not with no flake flowers. But the concept is, is I think uh, when it comes to flowers, we use these as item of expression to show people how much we care for them, how much we love them, whether that's someone that you're trying to get at, or maybe it's someone that, that has gone to be away or someone that has died, that has passed, you come and you honor their life with some flowers. And I think it's funny because I almost feel like God does the same thing for us like God uses flowers according to Jesus to express how much he loves us, it just has a different connotation. You see, as Jesus is on this field and he's with his disciples, he's saying, look at the flowers, that one moment they're here and one moment they're gone, but God cares for them. And if God has so much concern for these lilies that are here and gone tomorrow, how much more does he care for you? God uses flowers as a reminder of his care and his concern for our lives. And Jesus uses this as a moment of teaching because what he's really trying to come against is this tendency that we all share as human beings to take uh, matters into our own hands. He's really trying to shift and destroy this mentality that we are absolutely in control of our 401k, of our family, that as long as we have it all together, we'll be able to manage and make sure that this cruise ship doesn't tip over. But in one moment, Jesus says... Why are you worried? Why are you worried? How much worry is distracting you from fully following Jesus in 2019? How much does anxiety rule your thought life? How much does concern? And when you go to sleep at night, there's this waking uh, uh, tendency in all of us, either to scroll and, and make sure that our lives line up with their lives, and that we're in somehow in this place that we got it together, and somehow we've been able to evaluate our lives based on someone else's blessing. And when our lives don't look like their lives, anxiety and concern and worry, and we feel like we gotta hustle more, we gotta Uber, we gotta Lyft, we gotta down, we gotta run in order to have some facade of life that people can look at our petals and say, oh, God must really love them more than he loves me. So many times we focus on the petals when God is saying, I'm more concerned about the roots because petals will fade and fall. But if your roots are deep in God, that no matter what season, no matter what storm you face, you'll know that the light is at the end of the tunnel. Why? Because you serve a mighty God that cares and has great concern for you. Oh, ye of little faith. And Jesus walking with his disciples, he begins to teach them and remind them that God truly cares for them see worry subtracts and distracts our attention from fully following Jesus and seeking first the kingdom of God and the first question that Jesus asks us in 625 he says why are you worried why do you worry just just look at your neighbor and say what you tripping for you got to do it in that Chris Tucker falsetto what you tripping for it's a little bit more annoying when you do that we worry because what we want, we currently don't possess, or we feel like we can't go after. it, And so it creates this margin of anxiety in our lives. But Jesus begins to confront that. And the first thing that Jesus says is this, in verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? I love this is because what Jesus is saying this, don't worry, just sit there and God's going to take care of you. He's not saying that. Because we all know the same. The early bird gets. But what happens, what what Jesus is saying is this, the sovereignty approach of faith is that not only does God provide for what we need, but he provides the system in which we are able to work and be able to get what we need out of the system. That even the ecosystem bends its nature towards the will and the nature of God. So when God created birds, he created worms for the birds. And he created the birds for the worms because when the birds decompose, the worms get a little bit of chicken nuggets. So God creates this whole system of work in which we're able to to pull from and have sustenance and life. And so what Jesus is saying is this, if God is so creative to have concern for the birds, how much more concern does he have for you? He is not promoting laziness. He's actually promoting when you wake up in the morning and just like a bird, you leave the nest. You already have the faith and understanding that if God can pr- pr- provide for Tweety, he can provide for me and Sweetie, Whatever you need. But why do you worry? And this whole thing of what we do of instinctively having faith as a Christ follower is trusting that God is already there before you get there. Yeah. Yeah. He has what you need on the other side of your obedience and trusting that he loves you. He cares for you. You see, worthy worry withers our trust in God. And actually worry is the most useless of sins. Worry is a sin because it's not just worrying. What you're really doing is saying, God, do I trust you and what you say about me? That's what worry is. And it's a useless sin. If you steal, at least you came up. You know what I'm saying? Like if you stole something, you're like, oh, I came up. Maybe only for a short time. But you did have a come up. But if you worry, you don't even come up. You just sit in your room and you scroll and double tap and isolate yourself and feel worried and concerned and bothered. And you feel like you don't have any friends. And they're like, we ain't going to be your friend because you're always worried. And then you go to the restaurant. I'm not going to be able to pay that. Why? Because you always worried. I'm not going to tip. I don't know if they even had good service. You're always worried. So every aspect of your life is being stripped away from you because of anxiety. Worry never adds. It only subtracts. It only takes. It stops. It hinders. And so when it comes to the kingdom of God, we are people of faith and we're not following a building or a religion. We are following Jesus Christ, the son of God that says, I am the ultimate provider where there's sin, where there's abuse, where there's injustice. I will be the one that will lift your heads and not only do that, I'll use you in the process. Why do you worry? You see, when it comes to worry, I'm a friend of worry. I've had worry ride shotgun with me. Talk about planning a church in one of the most violent cities and having your family and leaving everything that is comfortable. You will know who worry is by first and last name. But what I've learned in my walk with Jesus is that whenever I have that small inkling, that, that, that little feeling that begins to happen in my stomach where I feel like I have to go pee a little bit. I've learned when worry comes knocking at my door to pivot under that pressure. Pivot! pivot under that pressure and begin to turn to God and to worship him because the greatest opponent to worry is your worship and when you begin to worship God when you begin to lift and magnify God and you begin to see him clearly for who he really is you get perspective on what you're really worrying about and you realize why am I tripping about that when I got him in my corner why am I concerned about that school when I got him in my corner why am I concerned about these bills when I got him in my corner You're in a war for your worship, and so you have to understand that when worry comes, don't become friends with it. Don't put on the emergency break and sit back and talk and have a conversation with worry. No, you go to the word of God. You go to worship. You get around people that got more faith than you in that season, and they would say, hey, bro, how about you just continue to seek first the kingdom of God and listen to what God promises you in your life? Why are you worried? How much time? Oh, I got 15 minutes. We're doing cool. All right, all right, cool, 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 cool. The second thing is is this. Jesus says, God knows what you need. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is burned, will he not much more clothe you? And he says this, Jesus says, look how they grow. They don't do anything they're just planted now if you plant this it's gonna stay the same but the funny thing is about lilies is lilies grow in two seasons in fall and in spring they go and they grow in the moments of transition and change they begin to produce life they become beautiful and radiant in those moments of transition in those seasons and jesus says you like the lilies And a lot of times what we do is, based on our circumstance, we think that when we don't get what we want, that this is a conditional relationship. And what we're really saying is, he loves me. He loves me not. I didn't get that job. He loves me not. I didn't get that relationship. He really don't love me. (laughs) We try to squeeze God into this conditional relationship, and we based his love on what we're currently exp- experiencing. But here's the thing. When you're rooted in God, you're going to experience loss. You're going to go through seasons of turbulence. You're going to have one moment where you're in worship and your mascara is running, and, bruh, you are feeling God. Somebody got that. <laughs> And there'll be moments where you'll leave this parking lot and you'll get a phone call that somebody is no longer on this earth. And it's not a conditional relationship, but God proves his love for us, even in loss and in gain. And that's why Job understood, he says, God, whether in wellness or in sickness, you remain to be God. And what Jesus says is this, he says, look at Solomon and these lilies. These little flowers are better than Solomon. Now, Solomon, if you're not familiar, if you're new to the team, Solomon was the man. Solomon was wise. The guy had money. He was a king. He built the temple of God. His father was a poet and warrior. He was Paul Dark for Jesus. He was just the man. My BCC fans are with me. I know. I know. You didn't didn't trust that about a brother, but I know a little bit about BCC. But anyway, sorry, ADD. I'm sorry. It happens to the best of us. But Solomon builds this temple and he's a worshiper of God. He's full of wisdom. And he begins to bring instruction to the kingdom of God. And he has all of this finances, all of this wealth, all to the point where Queen Sheba comes to this guy and says, man, how did you accumulate all of this knowledge and wealth? And he gives glory back to God. He was known as the man. And Jesus says, look at Solomon in comparison to these lilies. Which one is better? The lilies. The lilies. And I start to think because if you investigate in Ecclesiastes and you go into chapter one, Solomon almost has like this depressant, like he just missed his dose that day. He is not feeling life. And he's just like, everything is meaningless. It's just a repeat. Everything that we see is just the same thing over and over. They did Aladdin 20 years ago. They're going to do Aladdin again and just put a, somebody else in it. Then Lion King, then we're going to do Lion Prince and Lion Prince. I mean, it's just a repeat. And Solomon almost has this this ecclesiastical attitude that all things are meaningless when man is in control. And if you go down into chapter 5, he begins to say, oh man, the best thing is to live this short life dedicated to God, to enjoy a good meal with people and family and friends and to celebrate the relationships that you have and anything outside of that is all meaningless and pointless but what Solomon, what made him so beautiful what made him so radiant was the wisdom to understand "No, no matter how much I possess no matter how much I have it will never be enough unless I am pleasing the one that has given it to me. We'll never, be, we'll never have enough. Yeah. We'll never have enough. We always want more. You go to the restaurant, that wasn't that good. This one was really good. I'm going to yelp about them. I didn't like her. I mean, we never are satisfied. And Jesus says, how do we break that sadistic, revolving door of satisfaction? One, trusting that God knows exactly what you need, and he is going to provide that. And what Jesus begins to teach us, he begins to show us that the things that are temporal, that are temporary, let us set our concern and attention on the things that are eternal. You see, by you being a part of this church and when you begin to serve, when you begin to relinquish your gifts and your talents and your finances and your resources, what you're saying is, God, I trust you and I'm putting my faith to what you've called us to do as an entity, as the body of Christ, to extend your kingdom. So those that are far away from God may find friendship and community in the life that is in Jesus. And Jesus begins to say, these things are going to burn away. It's all temporal. If I could talk to the single people just for a moment. So many times we're looking at the petals of a person. We're just looking at what they display. We're looking above the surface like, oh, that girl got some pretty petals. Oh, them petals is bad. Oh, them some good petals. But what Jesus is saying is this man, the petals are here today and gone tomorrow. But when you come to somebody and you're interested, look at them roots. I'm not talking about her scalp, I'm talking about look at the roots. <laughs> Today, you gotta look more than the roots. You gotta, look, you gotta look real deep. You gotta be like, what's beneath the surface? Where are you drawing your energy from? Where do you get your joy and your happiness from? Where do you get your confidence from? Where do you get your assurance from? Who do you know about God and how have you walked with him? Tell me the time that God showed himself faithful to you. I wanna see them roots, girl care about them pedals? I'm just joking. care about them pedals too. <laughs> but the thing is, is why don't we trust God? And I'll tell you the reason why it's hard for us to trust God. Because it's scary. It's scary to put your life in the hands of a God that's invisible, but all of his attributes show up in everything that we do. It's hard and it's scary to trust God. And that's why fear, all fear is is faith in the wrong direction. It's difficult to take our fragile lives and say, God, I trust you. But let me promise you something that God promised to us. When we prioritize Him in His presence, and his attributes, and his goals, and his purpose. When we become more fixated about how much God loves us and wants to be with us, it gets us totally off of our attention being preoccupied with all of these frivolous things that really don't matter. It tweaks your whole perspective. It tweaks the way that you view people, people that you would flip off and cuss at them. You'd be like, maybe they just had a bad day and they need to know the love of God themselves. I mean, it's something that begins to shift internally and externally because your roots are getting deeper and stronger into the promises of God and it's affecting the way that you speak, say, and act. Man, it comes back to relationship. What will bring relief to my worry is putting the kingdom first. Seeking first the kingdom. Jesus says this, and I love this, He says this in verse 31, therefore, do not be anxious, saying what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear for the Gentiles, people who do not believe in God, but you are differently. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What Jesus is saying is this. And for those that are in this room, maybe you've been in this moment where it's difficult following God. You haven't fully surrendered. I love that God is graceful because he takes us even in the middle of those moments and he begins to work with us and he draws in. But maybe you've been serving God for a while and now there's this new uh, step of faith that God is calling you into. But seeking God is this. Sometimes it is dropping everything that you have and following him. There are moments where Jesus says, hey, for you to go where I'm going, you have to leave everything. But there's also moments where Jesus has positioned you by God's grace. You have a position of influence. And he says, now I want that position to be less about you and more about the kingdom. I want you to come and completely give your undivided intention to me. See, so many times we think, I got to give my attention to God. I got to give my intention. But honestly, I believe it's the intention that God is looking for. Because when I come to work and I'm like, I got to give my undivided attention. So I got to be a missionary and I got to go to Haiti and I got to love little black kids. And I, I mean, it's like. We feel like that's what it means to serve God. But if I just show up to my job with the intention that God, your kingdom is here, Lord, how can I be available for you? How can you use me? God's like. a sales position and the economy is shaky and people have taken over your accounts and you don't know what's next, but you wake up in the morning. Faith feels that I put first the kingdom of God. I trust that he's faithful to my family and I'm going to go out like the bird goes out, trusting that God is going to provide. My intentions are on him and God miraculously, he's so wonderfully, he's so just the God that he is opens door that only he can open. Why? Because he's God. And last time I checked, he still calls you boo. Boo. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. That means if I just continue to chase after God, God has a miraculous way of adding the things that I need in that moment. A lot of times he won't give you the things prematurely until he sees the faith and the obedience to step in what he's called you to do. When I step, God begins to add on to me. When I step, God begins to add on to me. When I break off those relationships that become toxic and always have gripped me and riddled me with fear, he begins to add to me. Why? Because I'm putting priority on his presence, and it's not just my attention that's focused on him. It's my intention. My heart belongs to him. I'm accessible to him. I'm going to tell you a little something, and then I'm going to close. I feel like a lot of times, uh, my wife will come to me and she's like, babe, do you love me? I'm like, "Oh." You know, that's that moment when you kind of feel like, I gotta get some flowers. <laughs> my wife don't like flowers though. I've come home a couple of times, she's like, cold. Like, they were plastic, so that's probably why. But there are moments in our, in our relationship where my wife is like, Do you love me? I'm like, yeah, I love you. And she's not just looking just for a time slot. She's not just looking for a date night. She's really asking, is your heart still motivated to just be with me? And when when she knows that she not only has my attention and intention, She adds to me. She adds her love and her words and strength to me because it all comes back to intimacy. How much of worry has become a distraction from you following Jesus fully? And what is God calling you to do in this next season? I think for some of us, it's complete surrender. I don't know, this is kind of weird, but even as I was praying, I felt like there was somebody that either works or owns a dispensary. And you're like, wait a minute, what? But I felt like God was saying, I can use you in whatever context in which you're in and that God was gonna bring people that literally own dispensaries and businesses and enterprises through the city and win their hearts for him. There are people in this room right now Maybe you've been at other churches or maybe you've served in other times and there's this fear and this anxiety and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to displace that worry that's ruling your life. I want you to bow your heads as we close right now. If I can have the worship team come up. The first thing first is this. There's a story in the Bible about this guy named Joseph of Arimathea. He was a secret disciple of Jesus. And at the point of Jesus' death, Joseph of Arimathea can no longer hide. He had to come, and he begins to petition to receive the body of Christ. And I felt like that was a very similar moment that's happening right now. That there are people in the room today that maybe you've been far away from God, or maybe you've had this kind of, I don't know, middle ground relationship with Jesus. the Holy Spirit would tell you today, how much has worry robbed you, robbed me of your undivided intention. And today, if you're far away from God and you want to get right with him, it's actually fairly easy in one moment, but it's completely surrendering your life to God. If you're far away from God today and you say, hey, Pastor Jules, I need to get right with him. I need to completely surrender my life to God. I just want you to raise your hand. Every eye closed, every head bowed right now. Just say, hey, that's me. I want you to lift your hands unto God. Amen. 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 Come on. Yeah, we can clap for these people. That's awesome. Praise God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can you guys repeat this prayer for me? Everybody just say, Father. Come on, everybody repeat after me. Say, "Father." Father. We totally surrender our lives to you. We love you. We give you everything. And today, God, by confession of our hearts, we surrender our past, our present, and our future to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We can clap for these people one more time. That's awesome. Just a few moments, Pastor Tim is gonna come up and give you some instructions, but I wanted to pray for one more group of people before we got out of here. If worry and anxiety has been ruling and wrecking your life in this moment, can you be so bold to raise your hand and just say, hey, that's me? Amen. I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit today, displacement is gonna take place. Keep your hand raised. If you're sitting next to somebody with their hand raised right now, if you need to move, we're gonna pray. And I believe that prayer is powerful, especially when we begin to apply the word to our lives. And so a balance and a power struggle that has gone on internally in your life. Right now, God is saying, I'm taking over that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to step in the ring with you and begin to give you the confidence that you need. So, Father, we come to you right now, and, Lord, we say you see our need. You see all of the hands that are lifted up that say, God, I've been in this battle. I've been in this struggle. But you say, Holy Spirit, you are the counselor. You are the empowerer. You are the one that aids us, the paraclete that comes along of us and gives us strength. And so, Holy Spirit, we say every lie of the enemy that has been tried to use to destroy our character, our intelligence, integrity, every insecurity that has whispered its wicked lie into our ears. We declare right now that God, you are a provider, that God, you are greater than any bill. God, you are greater than any circumstance that we are in. Where there is loss, lack, we know that you're a God of gain. Where there is hopelessness, you're a God of life and revival. And so we declare over this church the provision of God to be released like never before. We pray for those sons and daughters that are backwards and away from you to return home to you, God. And we declare that, God, you are our Father in heaven. And we honor you today, God. We thank you that your will is going to be done in our lives as we put you first. In
0: Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the Prayer and Praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.